Turn up, slowly drop, your holy God is no savior. No, it's not. No, it's not. I can only imagine how busy you are. <laughs> it's a lot going on. <laughs> it's a lot going on for sure. But can, um, can you say what the writing room is for? I cannot. Uh, <laughs> I unfortunately cannot. Yeah. <laughs> I have to tell you, it's kind of surreal because, well, I'm very old. I don't know if you know this, but I... <laughs> <laughs> and I'm realizing more and more how many folks I follow or know who are much younger, who are right in the sort of apex of like, what is happening? Do you know what I mean? In terms of creating and podcasts and pilots and projects. And I'm just like so blown away by it. And it's like, I'm, I'm really seeing how it's this different generation at the same time, y'all are kicking ass, you know? Oh, well, thank you. I'll, I'll certainly take that. Yeah. Yeah. And welcome, welcome, everybody. This is Jocelyn Bio. She is a wonderful playwright, writer, actress. And um, I like to always start my podcast with how I got to know somebody. And in this case, it is because I had just the thrill and pleasure of being in her play, uh, School Girls for the African Mean Girls play at the Goodman Theater. And I've talked about it, but we were three or four days away from opening night yeah. when we got shut down. Yeah, it was really sad. Due to the panorama pandemic <laughs> Panera Bread. And um, you were on your way to us. You were coming to Chicago for opening night. I was. Yeah, that was a busy, that was going to be a very busy month for me. Um, yeah. And boy, what a turn it took. My birthday is at the end of March. So we were, you know, I was trying to like, you know, put together a little party. It was like just a very fun um, celebratory time. And then, you know, the world all shut down. For me, the everything really came crashing down when Broadway shut down, Yes. Um, which was uh, March 12th. Um, so it's right. wild to feel like we're about to be uh, a year into yeah. this and that I'm going to have my second birthday in this madness, which is That's right. crazy. That's right. Um, well, I remember I remember a couple of things. Number one, you had one of the first online Zoom dance parties I attended. Yes. <laughs> um, so that was fun. I also, you know, I um because, yes, it was. March 12th. And I remember it so well, because we were chugging away at previews, we were there was so much momentum. And we were kind of like, nobody wanted to say it during note sessions, like, what's the word on opening, because we were only like three days away. And everybody was like, we don't know, we don't know. And um, we were all planning our opening night outfits. <laughs> and then Broadway shut down. Yeah. And the NBA shut down. And it was like, next day, they were like, we're meeting early before the show. And then they announced it. Um, thank God we got the online recorded version. Yes, which I saw. And it was just beautiful. It was absolutely yeah. stunning. I, I really hope I can see it in person. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I was really uh, blown away by you all's work. It's it's actually truly one of my favorite productions that I've seen. So well, um, that means the world. That means the world. And I have to say that... Um, 
you know, I mean, the Goodman has committed to, you know, putting the show up when we are back in theaters. And um, I will share with you that I describe it as the role of a lifetime, the time of my life. You, all of you all were just, it was really, really fantastic. And it felt really, um, it felt really nice because that was the first time I'd actually gotten to really know a cast personally, right. um, other than yeah. the original company. Um, yeah. But that's how much it meant to me to like have a production of the play um, in Chicago. I don't think we knew going in for the first day of rehearsal that you were going to be there for a week. And we were all were like, you know, it's always a little nerve wracking, but you were so gracious and lovely and just one of us and part of the team and shared so much of your, you know, knowledge and and love and passion about what you'd written and oh it was just a dream it was a dream it was a rehearsal room full of all black women a black female director a black dramaturg you know um the only white folks were the stage management team and they were lovely but they gave us our space and we ran the room and it was amazing yeah um so I do want to hear about what you can reveal about some projects later, but you know, we're here to talk about something else, something else, Justin. <laughs> yes, we something are. Something pressing, something important. I was not sure. I was like, oh my God, I'm going to message her and see if she will do this. And when you came back right away and said, yes, I was tickled. So we're going to talk about The Bachelor. And the reason <laughs> we're talking about The Bachelor is because, um, the franchise had its first black bachelor um, this current season, right. Matt James. And um, I wanted to check in with you and find out what is it that made you start watching because you have shared that you never watched the franchise before. Right, right. I think I was just, well, first of all, I don't always have time to commit to uh, network shows, I have to say, like, if it's not like, you know, something that's available on a streamer where I can kind of readily, you know, on my own time, binge it, I haven't had a lot of time to kind of catch, you know, a network show. So, but here we are, you know, in the pandemic and I have time. <laughs> and so I was like, oh, wow, interesting. And I, and it also had come to uh, my knowledge that like the announcement of him being the bachelor was odd timing. Cause I think there right. was another, there was like a season of the bachelorette, I believe that was supposed to, that was, that did air prior to this, you know, bachelor. Um, the season, the season of the bachelorette was unusual because they started with one bachelorette. Right. And then there was all this, you know, racial social justice stuff going on. Yep. And then, she decided that she fell in love at first sight with one of the bachelor contestants. So she left the show early and then they bring on Tasha. Yes. The first black, no, the second black bachelorette. Correct. And then at the same time they announced we're also having a black bachelor. bachelor. Right. So the, you know, I had read that the timing of that was very interesting. Um, and I was like, you know, anyway, and I knew that like Rachel Lindsay had been, you know, um, the first black bachelorette. I think I was also just shocked that like, I didn't know, I don't even know that I was aware that The Bachelor had been on that long and that it had had this many seasons, um, that it had gone that many seasons without a Black Bachelor or, you know, yeah, Black Bachelor. I just was like shocked by that. Um, 
Isn't that a trip? It's like, it doesn't make any sense. And so I said, yeah, I'm going to commit to watching this and seeing, you know, what, how this all plays out because, uh, you know, after this, like truly what people are, I think are coining this, this time is like a racial reckoning. I'm like, let's see how this all shakes out on television. Um, So that's why I decided to tune in. Well, so a couple of things came to mind. Um, Tell me really quickly what you meant when you said the timing of the announcement was kind of strange or what did you mean by that? Meaning like, you know, everyone, you know, it was like, um, you know, the unfortunate circumstance um, and the murder of George Floyd was witnessed, you know, in May, end of May, which led to a summer of protests and, uh, you know, people speaking, Black people speaking, out, you know, outward and outright of, you know, about our experiences and what we've been through. And it trickled down in everything. It wasn't just like social injustice and, you know, racial injustice in terms of like the, um, you know, the criminal justice system or what have you. It like trickled down into every, I feel like every area of anything that Black people have something to do with, which is everything. Um, We're all speaking out. We're all speaking out about like the things that we've experienced. And so... Uh, and I feel like, and then of course there was like the rush of statements everyone was making to like support Black Lives Matter. And then I feel like there was like kind of a run on, you know, rectifying it, quick rectification, you know? And so it all laid out, but it just feels like all of a sudden the Bachelor, you know, people were like part of that. Oh, absolutely. Well, you were absolutely correct because that is exactly why it was, you know, a bit fishy as far as like all these seasons 20 some seasons if not a few more of the Bachelor, 25 never figured I, out. 25. 25 I was like what right never managed to have um a black bachelor um only recently did they have the black bachelorette so um and they have a terribly racist reputation they have a reputation for having BIPOC contestants but them never making it very far. Yeah. It's become kind of the joke that they're there, but within maybe the third week, they're all gone. Um, and so, of course, yes, you know, as the other thing I do as an anti-racism educator, you know, the um, outpouring of desire to suddenly get, you know, anti-racism education, um, anti-bias education in corporations and organizations. I mean, I was I did like 25 keynotes this summer, right? And it was the same thing. Everybody was trying to find some way to address this, um, perhaps with best intentions. But I remember early on when they announced it was going to be him, I was like, you know what? With this this, um, franchise's reputation, they had better have some bias training. They had better have somebody on the set, you know, handling things and helping people navigate these difficult tensions or conversations that may come up. And of course they didn't, and they were totally irresponsible and they didn't vet the contestants enough or they did and didn't care because they wanted the controversy, but here we are. But so a quick sort of rundown of my background with the bachelor, which was a million and seven years ago when it first started, (laughs) I remember seeing the commercial for it. And being like, well, that's outrageous. That is disgusting. I'm going to have to watch this as the pop culture enthusiast I am to judge it accordingly. So I sit down and I watch it. And I was hooked immediately. And throughout the 25 seasons, 
I'd say I've watched not all of them. Um, and I've, it's definitely petered off and it's, you know, obviously just, I mean, it's so probably, yeah. <laughs> and you know, but because I haven't been watching it as much lately, I wasn't even necessarily, I was like a little not impressed that they chose this black bachelor knew what was behind mm. it, you know, um, and wasn't probably even going to watch, but also because, you know, part of the title of my podcast is, you know, race, you know, culture and the culture of race. I do try to keep up on pop culture. And so I watched a few. I was like, oh boy. And then I saw that you were posting these live Instagram stories. I was like, I'll just follow Jocelyn's Instagram stories. It's so funny. It covers all the bases. You don't have to watch the whole thing. Um, you have great filters at the end where you do your little closing speech. Um, it's hilarious when at the end she'll have like, you know, a filter where she's um, an astronaut in space or like you know a full face of makeup my next sort of like i wanted to talk to you because um now we're dealing with exactly what you suspected yeah. which was a controversy yes. right a big controversy and, um, a really big controversy <laughs> and the controversy is that one of the finalists you know they looked into her past and of course they found that there were photographs of her at a, um, you know, celebrate the South party where they're all dressed in, you know, antebellum mm -hmm. dress and um, celebrating on a plantation like you do. And um, <laughs> that she liked somebody's post where they had like a Confederate flag. And so this, you know, started to reveal itself and um, people were complaining about it online, wanting her to address it. Um, it was getting a lot of attention. Number one, we're now down to three, three yeah. girls. Two are women of color. One is white. Are you ready to put some money down on who's going I to win? feel very <laughs> confident in um, that it's probably going to be Rachel, who is the white contestant. And I think um, the Bachelor producers and everyone know that. Because obviously the show is pre-recorded, yes. and I think that is why they have been trying to work overtime to quell this fire, and uh, they've yes. done a poor job at it. And know that another storm is coming that will just lead to scorched earth, really. Well, oh, that's interesting. You think there's another? Thing? I think. Well, I don't think there's another thing coming in terms of the scandal. I think that when everyone's guess like mine is verified that he does in fact you know pick rachel i think that will just reignite um a firestorm of people like wow you know like how could y'all have what a what a what a terrible way to end the first season featuring a black bachelor well, absolutely. Now, Rachel Lindsay, who was the first mm -hmm. Black Bachelorette, who is married to the yes. person she chose, on her season, they had a straight-up racial Yeah, I story. heard that. And um, and basically, I think, you know, I think they probably did it on purpose. It got airtime. And it talks and speaks to the irresponsibility of mm -hmm. something like that. Like, it's really cute that you want to have the cosmetics of, you know, a Black Bachelor or a Bachelorette. But, like, you can't freaking have a racist on there right. for ratings you right. know what i mean like 
not a good look. And in this case, the carelessness of this girl making it to this point where obviously all you had to do is basically look on her Instagram mm-hmm. to find this stuff. Um, but anyway, so Chris Harrison, the host of the show, who's been the host all 25 seasons, is the face of the franchise, goes on Extra, which Rachel Lindsay, she has parlayed her bachelorette fame into a hosting position on Extra. And she brings this up. She brings up the fact that Rachel, the young woman who the controversy is about, has not publicly addressed people's concerns or said anything for six weeks. And Chris Harrison begins to do one of the most spectacular and dazzling displays of white splaining mansplaining I have ever seen. Ever. It was, it was, I mean, stunning performance. Stunning. (laughs) performance so uh, just some highlights um you know he really was pushing this narrative that everybody needed to give this young young woman he kept infantilizing Mm her um had to give her time to have perspective and drink it in and see how it affects her life all this controversy or people you know calling out her um behavior um why is everybody in such a hurry he said who the hell are you to demand this (laughs) Um, he says to Rachel Lindsay. Um, he kept referring to everybody who wanted her to be accountable woke as police. woke police. <laughs> and he kept talking about it in terms of, you know, we can't cure this. It can't be cured. And it's like, it's just like, it was, it was a, a masterclass really? is what it was. Um, so tell me, like, when did you come across it and what was your take on it? I, I had um, read... Um, that I think I saw it the next day after it had aired, the interview had aired. Um, I had read that he had said some like, you know, comments that, you know, came off pretty insensitive. I think that was like the headline I saw that Chris Harrison said some like insensitive, you know, comments. And then I saw the video in its entirety, um, which I'm glad they, that the, uh, the people of extra did, they put the whole 13 minute you know, in a portion of that interview on um, YouTube. And it was pretty shocking. It was pretty, it was pretty shocking to watch. And even just the things he was saying, like, you know, that uh, just uh, the assumption that 50 million people have like attended, you know, an antebellum, you know, uh, uh, plantation party in 2018. And, it was just like, what are where are you getting your facts and figures from? Or even or even just the idea that like in 2018, you know, back then, way back then, things were different, you know, than they are in 2021. And I'm like, it's three years. Like, what yes. are you talking about? That was totally bizarre. So from the get-go, he was like, she was like, you know, this is a problem. And he was like, okay, Rachel, was that a problem? You know, it's a problem in 2021. But was it a problem in 2018? And it was like, yes, yes. Yeah, she's like, I think it's a problem anytime. Like, I I think it's safe to say that racism has, it's, it's a problem anytime. Anytime it shows up, it's a problem. Um, He was absolutely showcasing what has happened so much with white people since the events of the summer, which is they have literally just woke up to this, right? And it is as if the idea of racial injustice just started in either, yeah, Yeah. started this summer. 
right? That's a and great the point. The reason is that's a great we point. I don't, I don't even we think were, I was. My brain was trying to figure out like why he believes that like 2018 yes. was somehow some different universe, and I need to continue to remind myself that like there are several people, several white people, uh, probably a large majority, yes. uh, who are just understanding racism and that it exists <laughs> and the only reason and the, it was the perfect storm it was the convergence of being trapped yep. in the pandemic and people seeing not not just hearing about the death not just seeing the last few seconds of the death but seeing the beginning middle and end of george floyd's life being suffocated yes. out of his body this having happened right after the woman in Central Park mm -hmm. calling the police on mm -hmm. the bird watcher. This not that long um, before the young man who was killed by the yes. two white Ahmaud men. Arbery. They decided yeah. he was trespassing. But is Ahmaud Arbery, uh, that was Ahmaud Arbery. Um, so yeah, like all of that combined, all of a sudden people were like, oh, I think we have a problem here. But it was only because they right. watched the horror. And well, to the degree. I mean, I'm not saying that white people who have been aware all along suddenly, like, it might have spurred them to even fight harder. But for some folks, it literally woke them out of a very, very long sleep that they could conveniently yes. stay in, right? And so, and I think that it tracks with Chris Harrison and what mm. he was thinking. He's only referring to that. Well, you know, a couple, just this summer, when we all found right. out about racism, is what right. he's talking about. Um, and so I have a question for you, though, because when I first watched it, or let me, yeah, let me ask you that. What were your thoughts on how Rachel Lindsay was handling this? You know, I have to, I, I actually really, you know, applaud her. I thought she, I thought she handled the interview really well. And I think, you know, it's because when I've had these weird interactions, um, with people who kind of have the same mentality as Chris Harrison. He's like usually older white men who have the same mentality and way of speaking to, I assume women of color. Right. You, you, I, I found my brain having to like slide and activate a, 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 a certain like decorum that feels like I'm gonna, I'm gonna listen. I'm going to be calm. I'm not going to get super um, um, emotional because I know that if I start to show any sort of something, God forbid, anger, um, I, I, I might activate, you know, something in them that feels like they can just like completely, you know, wash away and wipe away um, and disregard any interaction that they've had with me because I got angry. And then the focus will all of a sudden become that. And so I feel like I was watching her in real time have that, you know, you know, um, decorum activated, like, you know, repress anger now. It was like, it's like watching a transformer, like what we have to do, especially if you're a black woman, to make sure that the this thing doesn't get flipped and the narrative doesn't get switched into being something else. And so... I, I'm sure in another setting, she possibly would have went harder, gotten deeper, you know, asked tougher questions or something like that. Who knows? But I think in 
considering the, you know, the circumstances of the interview, I thought she did really well. But that's like, you know, of course, that's my opinion. No, no. So I had a revelation sort of in two parts. So I watched it and I was taking my cues off of her. And so in the first pass of listening to the conversation, something about the way she was responding to him dulled me to the outrageousness of what he was saying. Like I knew it was Mm. outrageous, but it didn't have the same impact because I was watching her and how she was handling it. And I was having these moments of like, oh, is this a difficult conversation about race being handled rather elegantly between two parties? Like I was being an observer trying to see like, oh, maybe they're doing this well. But the next day she has right, a, a yeah. podcast, right? Yes. With a black cohort. Yeah. Do you, did you remember the interview where she essentially revealed that she was doing yes. everything you just said because she didn't want it to turn into Yes, yes. And I was like show. kind of shocked that like I was like, well not shocked, but like why why should I be? I know exactly what that is. But I was I it, it like, right. you know, it verified what I was thinking um in that moment. Uh, I I I understood. I understood why she felt the need to act that way. I was surprised though because I had re- she did a really good job. So she sold me. I believed her. And normally I like can cons- I I usually that's kind of one of my things is I'm able to read subtext and but you know, it wasn't until she called attention to the fact that like, you know, she was twisting her ankles and she's like, "Oh my god, you should see how like tightly I'm wringing my hands throughout the interview." That sort of signaled that in fact she wanted to pop off but was mm-hmm. purposely not popping off and I just had this moment where I'm like I wonder if it's time for mm. us to pop off you know because I, I'm afraid that continually buying into this narrative that if we get angry in the moment the narrative will flip to the angry black woman actually upholds white supremacy and keeps the power of balance the way it's going right? Yeah. And I just, I realized though, that there's a lot to ask of us if we're going to do that. It's so many firsts. I think the, you know, cause inevitably it's, there's going to be another time that the bachelor will inevitably botch whatever their next venture is into <laughs> dealing with, you know, people of color in some way, whether that's the first Asian, you know, woman, um, you know, bachelorette mm-hmm. or, you know, the first trans person, potentially, if they even go there or the first time they even deal with queer people in general, you know, um, on the show, they will inevitably right. botch the next thing. And I feel like that will, that will then be, I feel like, give, give free reign for us to then be like, well, look, we've already talked to you about this the first time and, you know, yada, yada, yada. I think in this case, there it was... It would have totally been a lose-lose. All anybody would be talking about right now is the way Rachel Lindsay handled herself in that interview, the way she's messing up the franchise of The Bachelor, the way she is marring it up and, and messing it up. And somehow, you know, Chris Harrison would have walked away scot-free. I just, there's no way that she would have been able to pop off and walk away with like congratulations maybe from other black people maybe from other poc people sure right, right, right. but i don't know that like that franchise 
would be in such disarray right now um, as it is. I mean, it's truly, it's just, it's a flume ride into, I don't know where. <laughs> um, it's, I don't know where. And it's all because she, like, you know, kept quiet and truly just let him, you know. Well, you're right. I love that. I love that perspective because I was feeling a kind of way about it and thinking it was a missed opportunity. But And she certainly, she was using some real skills. And she says that in the podcast episode of essentially like, yeah. I just was given him space. So all of that math was going on in her mind, which by the way, listeners, that is the math that is all going the on time. in our minds all the time as Black women. All, all the time, the any interaction time. we have with someone we don't yes. know or feel safe with and, 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 un, and yeah, I, 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 there's a relaxation that I immediately have with someone who is, you know, another black person who I, you know, assume to be like-minded that I just do not have at all, uh, for anyone who's like, particularly like the kind of older white generation who have power, which is a lot of the people who I interact and deal with and at least in my business. Well, that sort of logically leads us into um, a little bit more of what I wanted to check in with you about. I mean, I think um, it leads sort of, I mean, you've revealed a little bit the calculating you have to do, the math you have to do in every interaction. You are in um, predominantly white spaces as a writer. Jocelyn has done television writing and has huge projects that she's leading on her own. Um, but you're still, I'm sure, dealing with certain gatekeepers. 100%. And, um, uh, so um, how have you navigated that and where are you in your comfort level um, now in terms of being able to challenge... I think it depends also on the relationships that I have with, you know, some depend, you know, said system. Um, You know, I know I have like a a very deep relationship with like a theater that I'm currently serving as playwright in residence um, with uh, the theater that originally produced uh, Schoolgirls in New York. And I can have frank conversations with them and probably, you know, speak to them in, 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 real realer ways than I, you know, likely ever would, um, because of the relationship that we've established. And because I'm like, listen, I've already dealt with your racism before I didn't say anything. And now that we've we have a business relationship and now that we have this kind of relationship, I feel like you should know these are the things you did that were racist and I didn't appreciate. And now moving forward, I I think this is how you can continue to recognize that kind of stuff and try to do better because the next person who comes around is not going to speak to you the way that I'm speaking to you. They probably won't even speak to you at all. They'll just go to the press and ruin your life. Cause at this point now we now have a lot of power, (laughs) you know, there's a lot of power in uh, uh, going to the press with something and, Especially if it's true. I mean, whatever. I know that I'm sure there's some people who go out there and lie about whatever they want to lie about. Um, we've just lived through four years of that. But uh, ultimately, like, I, you know, I know that I have the power to do that. I'm not, I'm choosing not to do that. I want you to recognize that I'm choosing not to do that. And that's the relationship that I have with them. Not that I'm like, you know, holding them hostage or anything, but I just feel like I could have frank conversations <laughs> with them that I feel, I hope, I hope they receive. Um, that is 
so interesting. I'm I'm really starting to think through, you know, the long mm. game aspect that you're talking about. Although I, you know, there's definitely the part of me that, you know, this long game where maybe we go through the first round and we don't let ourselves be like trampled, but we might tolerate more than we would to develop the relationship. I mean, a part of me doesn't quite sit with me. Yeah, I think that I am constantly in negotiation with myself about like, when I'm the ebb and flow mm-hmm. and the calculating and the mathematics and um, how much I'm willing to bear to gain something or the age I'm at now, am I ready to tap out and yeah, like, yeah. let myself live? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's really, you know, kind of a trip. Um, so cut back to our bachelor and um, what, what happens if people? Well, you know, it's funny. I've been like on a text thread with like a couple friends who also are into this season of The Bachelor. I, I would like to think I influenced them into watching it, but who knows? Um, and uh, one of them had a very interesting theory that like, I think, you know, Matt did pick Rachel, but that they've likely broken up by now. Um. And I said, oh, twist, because, you know, that saves Matt from all of the, you know, true on, you know, onslaught and hate he likely, you know, would receive for picking her, even even if people are aware of the fact that, like, the show is pre-recorded. Sometimes people just don't think. I don't know. Um, But that saves him for sure. If he does pick her and they have not broken up, uh, I think that will i think that everything will just be put into matt's lap to be quite honest with you i think there will be a the show will just pivot to like well that's who he chose you know we didn't we were not aware that she engaged in this kind of racist behavior it was news to us but look he chose her and i guess love conquers all and like i think it'll the it'll be his cross to bear um Anyway, I think that they can pivot this thing you know, it's, to not be on them. They will do that. Yes. Yes, they are masters at that. They've been doing it for years. I do think, um, you know, I, we, ha- we can't forget that probably the first or second episode. Yeah. He's yeah. Like, I date all ethnicities. I've dated white women and Asian women. And I mean, the subject yes. was. I ain't gonna yes. pick a black woman. Like that was the subtext. And he basically don't get excited. to inform us that like don't get excited. Please don't put this on my shoulders. I'm just trying to find my partner, my person, they like to say. Um, you know, I am not going to put the social justice movement movement, yeah. racial justice movement on my shoulders. He went to an all white school, right? He grew up in whiteness. It is high. I grew up in whiteness. I grew up in all white grade school and high school. And yes, I dated black men. But the truth is who I ended up being with is a white man. And it was sort of the first type Mm -hmm. of person I was attracted to. Just, you know, I mean, and that isn't science, right? But it's like not so outrageous that he would pick a white girl. I am not entirely sure they didn't. Um engineer it so that the other finalists were black because 
it would have been just as possible yeah. that it was all white finalists, right? Which would have caused a lot of problems. So, you know, I, 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 I have, it is will be no surprise to me when he chooses Rachel. And I think you're absolutely right. They will pivot it firmly in his lap. You know, The Bachelor has, um, although strangely enough, while The Bachelor has avoided so many controversies over the year and has endured and gone <laughs> and gone like the Anajars of Bunny, I think it might be mm. reaching its logical end. Everything we, after now, after 2020, when, you know, racism happened. Racism was discovered yes. in the summer yes. of 2020. And I don't know yes. how you move forward after that. Yes. That is, that is correct. I, I mean, it, it was so shocking to discover it in 2020 that I don't think people could possibly move on from it. And, and that's exactly the thing. Because here's the, like, my generation, again, uh, of folks from the 25 seasons ago who started with The Bachelor, and none of this stuff was in place in terms of, like, inclusion. Um, what's appropriate, what's not appropriate, what could or can't be said. Like you go back at things that you watched at the time. You watch friends and you're like, yeah. oh my God, the transphobia, the you know, the the ableism, the fat phobia. Like it goes on and on and on, right? And I think we're at a point culturally where as we become more inclusive, we become more aware, we um more marginalized voices are willing to speak out. There's just no room for something like The Bachelor. I mean, it's also even fascinating what you're saying that, like, you know, we yeah. recognized then that they there was like no even semblance of inclusion back then, which is true, which is why they, you know, VH1 picked up the model and was like, cool, we'll do Flavor of Love. We'll do I Love New York. We'll do it with all kinds of like, right. you know, more entertain. It's a slightly more right. entertaining thing, but like the... The emphasis was to put, you know, a you know, black people, black man, black women, whatever, even though I'm not necessarily say you know, defending it in any way, even though I loved that show. I've never I never watched a season of The Bachelor, but I love I've watched oh, every yeah. season of, of Flavor of Love and I Love New York. And I and I think it was, you know, yeah, of course did. it's outrageous, it's kooky, it's funny, these characters are insane, I'm sure that, and in many ways they're problematic. But it was also about I saw at least, you know, women who look like me and even the women they cast on those shows at the time were very much like round the way looking chicks. It wasn't like even the kind of Instagram face looking girls that we would probably see on a show like that now who are just, you know, perfect and primped to perfection and all have the same face and the same surgical enhancements. It was like there were women of all shapes and sizes, you know, uh, 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 you know, uh, dark to light, you know, there was even, you know, cause I mean, a whole thing we could, we, I'll, I'll come back if you want to talk about colorism on the bachelor when all of my, you know, chocolate sisters were picked off, you know? Right. Oh yeah. And, and the fact that any lasted this long and the truth is um, that's, you know, that's why I want to have conversations like about the freaking bachelor, you know, because like so much of the podcast in the past has been weighted towards like sort of very heavy educational uh, perspective and and really yeah. what teaches us the 100, most 100, is what's happening culturally and in pop culture and this is again this stuff is 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 um mm -hmm. it's the manual on colorism it's the manual on white splaining it's the manual on you know um uh the what is that expression yes. used uh the model minority i mean it's just like you could go on and on and on um 
you were saying something about um mama, 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 mama. oh yeah and and i and 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 i really want to include the fact of you know the bachelor right. will never be truly inclusive because you know they've felt a little bit with gay women on like the bachelor in paradise They'd never have the balls to have transgender folks. Right. They'd never have the balls. And right. that's to their detriment. And that is their fault. And that is their choice. And and that for me is where I just start yeah. to go, like you said, the clock is freaking ticking. It is time. And it is time to to authentically be yeah. inclusive or see you later. There's I'm sure him. fifty million as he uses, fifty million people who are going to miss him. Um, <laughs> but the rest won't. <laughs> Jocelyn, thank you so much. I knew this would be a rich, wonderful conversation. I got some great perspectives from you. It's always delight. And um, is there anything you would like to talk about in terms of projects? I have to say you did a wonderful thing at the beginning of the pandemic. You were featuring all these wonderful <laughs> Black women creators and you were doing these free um uh workshops and conversations it was such such um generosity of spirit and love and sisterhood um we are our goal is to offer free free anything really um for people in the business whether that be free classes or workshops or anything um talks parties even if we want to need a little party you know, um, and we are constantly thinking of new ways to innovate. We decided to start that during um, uh, the pandemic. And so it's been really great. So we, you know, continue to look out for that. Other than that, I'm just kind of waiting to see when theater can come back and my play, Nollywood Dreams, um, will hopefully happen in New York um, off Broadway um, at MCC Theater. Similarly with my uh, my play Schoolgirls at the Goodman, I hope will happen again soon. And then my uh, first yes. musical goddess is happening at Berkeley Rep um, next, early next year now because of the pandemic. So those are all of my like theater projects. Yeah, everything else I either can't talk about or I don't know when it's going to happen yet. I don't know. Once on this island is soon coming. Yep. I don't know when, um, but we are, I'm, I'm, I've I've written a script. I think it's a good script. We'll we'll continue to work on it and and figure it out. And other than that, yeah, just I'm just trying to grind and grind. So if you follow me on social media, I will post whatever my newest project is. It is so exciting. It's so wonderful. I love the type of creator you are because you can talk about <laughs> Flavor Flav and you know, I love New York all the way to the other side of um culture and what matters and what's important and um i am just thrilled for you and um uh thank you so much jocelyn huh nothing maybe it'll be all right maybe